January 19th, 2006, episode 14. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. What we're going to be talking about today is preparing our electronic files for pre-press output. And if you weren't formally educated in graphic design or more specifically print design, this might sound a little intimidating to you, but actually all it means is, you know, we're getting our files ready making sure there's no mistakes in them and making sure that we have all the files gathered that we need before we send them off to the printer. And this is obviously something that we as designers have to do quite frequently. Before we dive right into our main topic today, there's a couple of pieces of news that I wanted to share with you. The first of which I found a podcasting video tutorial series and these were made by a guy named Franklin McMahon. And if you listen to either the Media Artist Secrets or the Creative Cow podcast, you will know who this guy is. He's very knowledgeable about tons of different uh, design aspects. But this is a three-part series of videos that really go into more of a technical sense of podcasting and how to podcast. So I figured that'd be a great thing to look at if that's something you're interested in. He really adds a lot of points that weren't covered in my podcasts or the online demo that I made. So it really would go hand in hand and, and give you some more knowledge on that whole thing. The second thing is a website for what is called Windows Vista. And when Mac OS X came out, it really revolutionized the way we use Macintosh computers. The, the, operate, the operating system was completely different. There was all kinds of new features. But when Windows XP came out, it was pretty much the same thing, just dressed up in different clothes. Well, this looks to be their, their step forward, their, their releasing of many new features. Uh, if you go to the website here, you can find tons of things. First off, they have kind of a new explorer where you can organize and store your files, your images, your multimedia files, meaning music and videos. They also have an enhanced search feature. Uh, this will also be releasing Internet Explorer 7 with tons of new features on that as well. They have what they call sidebar and gadgets. And basically what this looks like to me is their answer to the Macintosh dashboard because it looks like it's got a little clock, it's got a calculator, other little things, things that you want to access very quickly. Uh, it also has enhanced networking, uh, getting on networks, uh, ne networking with other computers, sharing printers, sharing files, that's that type of thing. Uh, the new media player, the new Windows media player will also be released then. And just other media upgrades. There's a, there's actually a few things on there that they're not really talking too much about yet. And I didn't really see any kind of release date on the website. If anybody does know of a release date, that would be probably a good thing to either comment on the website or in the forums. I'm not much of a PC user. I'm mainly a Mac user. I use a PC a little bit at my full-time job. But pretty exciting stuff for Windows users. So again, I will have links for both of these things 
the tutorials and the Windows Vista on rookiedesigner.com in the show notes for this particular show. So back to the topic at hand. How do we get our files ready for the printer and make sure that there's no mistakes after, after the printer has them? Obviously, if it goes to print and has mistakes, you got a big problem, especially if you're doing a big run. But also, if it goes to the printer and they find mistakes, uh, sometimes that can be bad too. They, either you're, you're under time constraints and maybe you have to have them fix it, and usually that would incur some sort of fee for them doing work for you. Or you just have to do it again yourself and send it in, and again, you may be losing time that you don't have. So what we're trying to do here is make this process smooth, which makes you happy and keeps the printer happy as well. So the first step to doing this is pre-planning. We're going to figure out what we need to do before we even start making the document that we're going to make. And the first step to that is getting the specs for the job. You're going to need to know the exact dimensions of the piece, as well as the bleed. There are standards for bleeds, but you will find some companies actually want a larger bleed than others, so that's key information to have. Um, the colors of the piece. Is this going to be a full four-color CMYK piece? Is it going to be just black and white? Or maybe you're going to be using spot colors, maybe just black and one other color, maybe three different colors. These are obviously key things that you need to know before you start making your document. And a good thing to know, I guess, before that is who are you going to get these pieces of information from? Well, if you're submitting to like a magazine or a catalog or something of that nature, it's usually going to be a production manager. And for these things, you can usually get some sort of guide. It's like a, a marketing guide or a sales guide from the sales rep. And this is going to give you how much the ad costs. Uh, what the dimensions are, all the different pieces of information that you're going to need to to be successful with this. Uh, the other person may be the printer or service bureau. If you're actually just sending this to the printer yourself, then that's obviously the person you want to get in touch with. The sales rep usually can give you this type of information. So actually back that up and put that part before the pre-planning because obviously you have to get the specs from somebody. So you want to find out who that person is and then get that information from them and then you're ready to move on. And another key thing, we want to start our document at the right size, which is why we want to get the specs beforehand. You want to start your document, get everything laid out perfectly, and then have to change the size of the document because it's just going to screw everything up. If everything's just working just nicely, the, the type is falling exactly where it should be, even if you have to nudge that over another eighth of an inch or so, it's, it's going to throw everything out of whack and it's going to make you crazy. So always make sure that you start your document at the size that it's going to finish at. Now when you get to the layout, hopefully, as we said last week, you're going to have your rough draft or your, your final comp to go off of so that you know pretty much the direction that you're trying to go in. And again, as I said last week, you want to start by getting your copy in to the document first and then kind of fit your imagery around that. The imagery makes the reader interested in reading the copy, but ultimately the copy is the most important part of what you're doing. Now, from here, I'm not really going to tell you how to lay out your piece. You should know that. So 
The next thing we want to move on to is the point at which you think you're done with the project. And the first thing you want to do here is run the spell check. This might sound kind of stupid, and we talked about this when we were talking about making your resume, but it's something that sometimes it's pretty easy to overlook. And you start sending things out with running spell check, and there's little typos here and there, and it's just an embarrassing thing. So right when you think you're done, or at some point in the process, run the spell check. But definitely when you're done, too, because you may have made some copy changes. Or even you might find you might be getting the copy from, say, the marketing department, and you're just importing that text from the Word doc that they give you or something like that. Well, nobody said that they ran a spell check on it, and nobody said that they're the world's greatest speller either. So make sure you run that just to avoid any of those kind of uh, mishaps. The next thing I like to do is actually read through the document and actually read it out loud. And you can read things silently to yourself, but it's just kind of not the same. When you read things out loud, it's easier to pick up on things that don't sound right. And again, you might not be the person that's writing the copy, but if something doesn't sound right to you, I usually take it upon myself to bring it back to them and, and at least point it out and say, can this be changed or does it need to be changed? Because you're kind of like the last line of defense. Once you are done with your job, it goes to the printer and then it's printed and then there's no way to change it. So I would say take it upon yourself to at least point things out. You don't want to get into something where you're trying to change copy when you're not the person that writes it because whoever wrote the copy probably isn't going to like that. But at least point out something and say, well, this doesn't sound quite right to me. Could it be changed or does it need to be changed? Once you've done that, the next step we want to move on to is the pre-flighting. And pre-flighting, if you don't know already, is just a way of going through all your different files and making sure that everything is set up correctly. We want all our images to be CMYK or whatever color mode we're going for with this, but make sure it's in the right color mode. You don't want things that are RGB going to print. This is also where we're going to be checking our fonts, making sure that we didn't use true type fonts. All the fonts that you use in your document, you're going to want to either have a uh, the new Adobe Open Typeface or a PostScript type. Hopefully you know this already, the TrueType are screen fonts. They don't actually work for printing. And when you obviously when you turn in your, your document to the printer, you're going to need to have those fonts accompanying the file. So you want to make sure that it's, it's something that's right, first of all, and it's something that, that is on your computer so that you can give them the files. So for this part, I'm going to go through just the two major layout programs, which of course are Quark Express and InDesign, and some of the built-in features and additional features that they have for pre-flighting and getting your files ready to go to the printer. First of all, in Quark Express, if you go to the File menu, you can choose an option that says Collect for Output. Now what this does, it, it lets you attach all the files any files that are linked to this document, such as image files, font files, and it also gives you a report, you can output this to the same location, or I usually like to do it to the desktop, just so that I know that these are the different files. This is everything that I need. It's going to give you the finished file, all the fonts in a folder of their own, all the images in a folder of their own, and a report 
about all the files that you have. This way you can have these all ready to go to the printer and it's not getting mixed up with uh, different files that maybe source files that you have in the folder that don't necessarily need to go to the printer. Now this is kind of where it ends with Quark, as far as I've seen. If anybody knows anything differently, uh, definitely let me know. But this is about as far as you can go with Quark, unless you buy a plugin. There is a plugin called Flight Check Studio. It costs about $200, and it is now available for Quark and InDesign. And what this does, it gives you a little extra window into what's going on with your document. And what it does when you open your document, it scans through everything. It checks all the pictures for you, makes sure that they are whatever color mode you need them to be. It checks all your fonts and makes sure that they're either the postscript or the open type. And it basically just runs through and finds things that are wrong or not wrong with it so that you know ahead of time before you package it all up and give it to the printer. This way you don't have to go back through each of your images in Photoshop and go back and check all of your fonts yourself and make sure that they're all right. Well, with InDesign, they have their own built-in functionality that works kind of like the Flight Check Studio. First of all, if you go to the File menu and choose Package, well, this is kind of the same thing as the Collect for Output that you found in Quark. It's just a way of pack packaging your files, getting them all ready, everything that you're going to need, and get rid of everything you don't need. But a different option, if you go to the File menu and choose Preflight, well, this is kind of more like what I was talking about with the Flight Check Studio. It scans through the document. It gives you a reading of all your images and all your fonts and lets you know if there's any problems with any of those. And if there is, then obviously you can go back and correct those. If you don't have any problems, well, it has the package option built into that as well. So that once you're done checking all the files, you can just move on to the package and it'll give you your nice little folder full of all the files that you need. Now there are a couple different options and again you're gonna you're gonna have to just go with whatever the service provider or the magazine or whatever what they want what they usually accept and they'll they'll definitely be telling you what kind of files they're gonna accept from you but a couple of different options would be to actually export the file uh, in Quark you can save save page as EPS and you can also do this in InDesign and with this it's just making a, a single file that has all the info in it. One good thing to do if you do do this is to take this EPS file, open it up in Illustrator, and convert all your type to outlines. Otherwise, they are still going to need the font to accompany the file to be able to print it out. But when you change it to outlines, now it's just vector images, and you don't need to include the font with it. Another option, which is becoming a very popular one these days, is to export everything to a PDF or a PDFX. And PDFX is just one of the, the standards for a high-res PDF. And really this just simplifies the whole process. Again, you're, you're able to have a single document that you're giving to the service provider or the printer or whatever. All the images and all the fonts are embedded in the file. You have a single file for output and it's high resolution. It's ready for print on the printing press or whatever you're doing. And really this is kind of the new wave, the, the new way things are going. And I think in a couple of years, this is gonna be pretty commonplace. 
to have PDF files for print rather than giving the printer a, a whole big folder full of fonts and images the way we've done it you know, for several years. And in addition to that, something else that's coming with the PDFs is called soft proofing. And what this means is instead of the service provider sending you a hard copy of the proof or bringing it in and having you look at it and make sure the colors are all right, they're going to send you a PDF and you're just going to look at it on your screen. Now there's some advantages to this, obviously. You're going to be able to just proof from your computer. It's going to be much faster. You're going to save time and money. Time of waiting for them to send it to you and then it, it does cost money for proofs. But one of the issues with this is the calibration of the color on different monitors. As we all know, monitors have different color, all kinds of different monitors. Even things such as the lighting in the room can change the way the color is perceived by you. So this is probably the biggest issue and it might be the, the hindering fact of soft proofing, but it's something that, that some big companies are already doing. So look out for that. That might be something that catches on. One last thing I like to do before sending the files to the printer, obviously you're going to make them a disk or, or upload to FTP or something like that. I like to make copies. If I'm going to send them a CD, I make a copy of the CD for them and one for me. This way, if they come back with some kind of mistake, which this has actually happened to me before, they came back and they said, well, there's this mistake. All, the, all these images were moved. And what did I do? I popped in my copy of the same exact files that I gave to them and everything was fine. So I knew that something happened on their end. Somebody got into the, the file and, and just meddled with it and mucked everything up. So I always like to keep an extra copy of exactly what I gave them just for that reason. Now, that's what I call a rookie mistake. One thing you may have noticed in your fellow designers, or perhaps even in yourself, is that designers in general usually aren't too talkative. We're not the type of people that want to be on the phone all day making contacts. One contact that we should make is the sales rep at our print houses or production managers at places where we're submitting files. These are good people to have a good relationship with because it's going to make the process a lot easier. You're going to be talking to these people quite often to make sure that your files get printed correctly. And that's a good friend to have. Other things you might find is, is possible price reductions. If you give a lot of business to one particular printer, this is something that they're probably going to be allowed to do. But overall, you're just going to have a better printing experience. Now the printer that we've used at my full-time job, I've, working, I've been working with the guy there for a couple years now and we have a pretty good relationship. And the printer is just top-notch really. They actually have seminars about four times a year for all the people that give them business. And this in one way is to kind of spiff them and make sure that they keep coming back to them. But in another way, it's the printer looking out for themselves teaching the designers certain things about how to make their files work correctly, how to make them formatted correctly before they bring them into the printer so that they don't have to fix them or they don't have to send them back and get them fixed. So again, uh, these are good contacts to have. These, these are people you might be working with even more than some of the people in your office. So just make sure you reach out to them and 
try and get a good relationship going. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our website today relates in some ways, but, but not all. And the website is zinio.com. And what this is, is a, an application that lets you read and subscribe to magazines online. If you're one of those people like me, uh, you probably have a lot of magazines hanging around, hanging out around your house. I uh, subscribe to the, the Layers magazine and Photoshop user. And these are good magazines to keep around because they have tutorials in them and, and things like that. But once you have a few years under your belt for, uh, for the subscription, you've got quite a few magazines hanging out around. So this might be something that you're interested in. Through the application, you can actually subscribe to a magazine and what it does, it keeps updates on all those. So when a new one comes out, it sends it to you and you can just read it in your reader. The actual interface is pretty cool as well. It takes up your whole screen, of course, and it has a, a nice little page turning graphic that really gives you the effect of actually reading a magazine. But again, you don't have the clutter of magazines all over your house. Again, that's Xenio.com. And as always, this link will be in the show notes as well as on rookiedesigner.com. Well, that just about does it for today. A couple of things about the website. You may notice uh, some new ads going up, some banner ads. And this is just my way of trying to make a little bit of money. I notice a lot of podcasts out there have little PayPal buttons and they ask for donations and I really didn't want to do that. Uh, I do pay for this stuff out of my pocket. It doesn't cost me that much. But I do want to try and make some money where I can. So if you find any of these buttons on there, it's something that you might already want to buy. Please use the button that I've put there to go through there because I actually get a commission off of what, what you buy. Also, I started this last week. We're going to have some different music in the background and for the ending of the show. If you like any of this music, you will find the links in the show notes. And pretty much all the bands I'm going to be playing are from the Podsafe Music Network, which was in the bullpen last week and is a great site to check out. I don't think I've mentioned this before, but there are some forums up there. So if you want to register and talk to some of the people, some of the listeners of this show, we're, we're getting more and more each week and there's some good conversations going on in there. So check that out. As always, I thank you for tuning in, subscribing, and listening, and have a great day. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's out of
soon you've got such a break.